let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. There is nothing, and we mean nothing, that you cannot do. So for whatever the prayer requests beneath the sound of my voice are right now, Jesus, you know them. Would you invade these spaces and places? We give you permission to go to the deepest, most hidden corners of our hearts and our spirits and just heal heal us would shame be gone in Jesus name anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts gone in Jesus name fear would fear melt away in Jesus name God would new dreams be born and marriages be restored trajectories of lives be changed right now in Jesus name God would your glory flood the nations like our planet has never seen we pray for a revival in the beautiful, powerful, wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. Come on, lift them up. Lift up some praise for Jesus Christ. Come on, we decide what kind of day this is going to be right now. I love it. Woo! You love Jesus? Okay, just checking, just checking. You love your church? You love our fearless leaders, Sean and Jill Johnson? Can we let them know? Make some noise. And keep that going. Let's welcome all of our locations right now, all of our Denver-based campuses, Brussels, Belgium, Austin, Texas, everybody watching online, and all three of our God Behind Bars locations. We love you so much. Come on, you may take a seat. Welcome to church. So good to see you guys. Sean and Jill, I just love you. Um, Sean, you are just one of the best human beings I know. And Jill, you are just better than Sean. I mean, anybody going to debate me on that? No. And uh, this is cheesy, but it's true. Sam and I just want to be the two of you one day when we grow up. And, um, that's not just the truth. That's also a great segue into the verse I'm about to read because public speaking is all about transitions. Write that down. First Corinthians 13 verse 11 says this. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. So let's get one thing straight. God wants to do immeasurably more in your life and through your life. Do you believe that? I hope you believe that because it's the truth. I'll even cite my source. It's the word of God. See the book of Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. But how many know you can limit the more that God wants to do in your life? This is a human thing, by the way, that God is never the limiting factor He's not the limiting factor in our nation. He's not the limiting factor in our church. He's not the limiting factor in your life. You are, I am, and we are. Paul in this one verse is speaking to owning that and leveling up because until I do, I will never walk in awe God has for me. So today, I just wanna preach a really practical message about ownership, extreme ownership, and I wanna call this message level up. And in case you tune out or fall asleep for the rest of the message, here's a sermon in one sentence. The more you level up, the less you limit God. The more you level up, the less 
you limit God. So let's pray one more time that God would speak to us. God, speak to us. Amen. I love you. Come back in 23 and a half minutes. I'll see you then. Well, church, I, uh, I've always been a bit of an uh, uh, I've always been a bit of an adrenaline junkie. I know I look it. Okay, it's gonna be like that. I'll preach over here. And uh, growing up, I was obsessed with roller coasters. I mean, absolutely obsessed. We live right down the road from Six Flags Magic Mountain in Valencia, California. To this day, I could still tell you the stats of most of those roller coasters. I had roller coaster posters on my walls in my bedroom. If you were to ask young Doug Weckenman, what do you wanna be when you grow up? I would have said, a roller coaster. But it turns out that's not something you can, you can be. Um, but I still remember the day when I finally hit 48 inches in height. Now, how many know what happens when you finally hit 48 inches? You are tall enough to ride, baby. You're tall enough to ride. That was a big deal for me because I was the last of all of my fifth grade crew to hit four feet in height. Bit of a late bloomer, always have been. Even in high school, I think I was the, the second to last guy that I know to hit puberty. The only guy I beat was Ethan Matat. That's it. Um, which means I was the, the friend-zoned, uh, cute little brother of all the girls I had crushes on who never took me seriously, and I'm still healing. Life's a journey, don't judge me. But the day I hit four feet in height, I will never forget one of the best days of my entire life. Now, that brings me to the Goliath roller coaster. Let me introduce you to fifth grade Doug, four foot nothing, hopped up on caffeine, very, very unsaved, but what I wanna bring your attention to is the Goliath roller coaster right behind me, okay? This came out in February of Y2K. That's code for year 2000. Remember when we all thought the world was gonna end? Yeah, we'd never do that again, ever, right? Um, this roller coaster broke records when it came out. It was the tallest ride at the time, featuring a 255-foot drop. You top out at almost 85 miles an hour, almost straight down, plunging into a tunnel that goes underground, featuring a double helix turn where you experience 4.5 Gs for six consecutive seconds. The day that my dad took us, it was the same week I hit four feet, was the same week that ride came out. So my dad took me on a school day. That's a good dad move. And I'm not kidding you, we got there before the lines, and I rode that ride eight times before 10 a.m., and I cannot stress to you enough, church, how much I could not do that today. It's a different season for me in every way. Now, as a 33-year-old man, I, I hurt myself sleeping. That happened this week. True story. I'm, my neck is killing me. And just to clarify, I did not ride a bowl or bungee jump or even play golf. I... I slept, I turned my head wrong on my memory foam pillow and now I'm injured, so that's cool. That's, that's where I'm at in life. I, I was with my brother Ryan just a few months ago on I-25. We drove past Elitch's and from the, from the car, from the highway, we saw the, the Twister roller coaster. You know what I'm talking about? The white, wooden, wobbly, rickety roller coaster. Looks like it was built, you know, 60 years ago. I swear, even from the highway, you could see like the loose screws popping out of the splintered beams. And I, I told my brother, and I quote, I said, bro, you couldn't pay me $1,000 to get on that today. You couldn't pay me $1,000 to wait in line for 90 minutes. Also, I could have a high 17-year-old kid strap me into this machine that might kill me. Oh, and what's your reward? How about a three-year headache? Congratulations. 
couldn't pay me. Oh, but when I hit 48 inches in height, I swear it was like the entire universe had opened up to me. I leveled up. That's what I'm trying to say. I leveled up in every way. So in the spirit of summer at Red Rocks, I want to give you six, not three, not four, not five, six practical ways to raise the roof or lift the lid, whatever alliteration you prefer, Andrew, on the more that God wants to do in your life. Because the more you limit up, the more you level up, the less you limit God. Six ways. Sound good? Are you ready? You promise? Okay. Way number one. Here we go. Level up your thoughts. Romans chapter 12, verse two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So God has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. That's my very first takeaway. And the more that you level up your thoughts, the more you will start to see it because everything, church, begins right here in the six inches of space between your ears with the renewing of your mind. It is a scientific fact that you can think yourself sick. This is why the placebo effect works. I think it's a spiritual fact that you can overthink yourself out of all the plans and callings that God has for your life. I think this happens all the time. Craig Rochelle said, your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if you don't like your life, it's time to change how you think because you are who you are today because of your thoughts yesterday. You will be who you are tomorrow because of your thoughts today. So with all that said, let me ask you one question. What is one, just one, not two, one destructive mindset that is holding you back? Are you, I'm just preaching from experience, are you afraid of conflict? If so, it might be time to change the connotation of confrontation in your mind. It might be time to level up your thoughts to start seeing conflict actually as iron sharpening iron that makes you better and everybody else around you better, that your passivity is doing nobody any favors. Might be time. If you are paralyzed by insecurities, and maybe you have been for years. This might be your week. This is your moment. It might be your time to say, man, enough is enough, and claim the confidence that is rightfully yours by the blood of Jesus Christ by speaking the truth about who God says you are, that you are his masterpiece, that he made no mistakes when he made you, and the more you speak it over your life, the more you begin to activate it within your life, amen? I'm not gifted enough. I'm not, I'm not pretty enough. I don't have what it takes. You wanna hear mine right now? I'm not a good enough leader to do what God has asked me to do. Oh, what time is it? Oh, time to level that up <laughs> to something called the truth. Oh, what is truth, Michael? Truth is that thing that's still true even when you don't feel it. You know, part of what Paul said about putting childish patterns, childish patterns behind us is, is choosing to live by what is true even when we don't feel it. Truth is that thing that's still true even when you disagree with it. That if he called you, then he's gonna be the one to qualify you. That if he's sending you, he's gonna go with you. That no, you're not what they say you are. You're who God says you are. That no, you're not what happened to you. And yes, you do have what it takes. Christ is in you and you are more than enough. That is called truth. And so how do you do that? It's great when you preach it. How do you do it? 
This is how. You take that one destructive thought and you write it down and then you rewrite it the way God would say it. And then quite simply, you, you think it and you speak it until you believe it. You think it and speak it until you believe it. That even kind of rolls off the tongue. You think it and speak it until you believe it. I am where I am because God has placed me here. I am made on purpose for a purpose. Leading a church wasn't even my idea in the first place. This was God's. And if he, if he called me to it, he'll acquit me. No, I, I am a good dad. I am a good husband. I am a good friend, leader, and pastor. I do have what it takes because he has placed that in me. I am a follower of Jesus and the world will be better because I gave my life to build the kingdom of heaven. Amen. He has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life, Christian. And the more that you level up your thoughts, I promise you, the more you will start to see it. Amen. Your thoughts. Number two, level up your health. I'm going to be really bold. Are you ready? Permission to challenge. I think we need to stop seeing every problem as something spiritual. It might not be the devil. It might be you. And I'm not vouching for Satan. He's an insecure, narcissistic zero who, for whatever reason, is obsessed with destroying your life. I'm just saying he's also an overused scapegoat who gets way too much credit. Did the devil do it or did you just do it because you were emotional or lazy or, or distracted or talk? Come on, somebody clap like I'm not talking about you. Shout amen like you tell them, pastor. Tell them the truth. Was it the devil or were you just hangry? I mean, at some point, uh, it's kind of like when you were a teenager and you said, I missed my shift and got fired because my dumb dad forgot to get me up for work today. Oh, is that, was that your dad or... Should you, like, where's the ownership here is the question I'm asking you. Should you have, like, Paul's speaking to putting away these patterns. I once was a kid. I no longer am. I'm owning everything because until you own it, God can't change it. And, of course, a lot of stuff's the devil. A lot of stuff is spiritual warfare. But just hear my heart, just for today, let's just all agree the fastest way to stay stuck where you are forever. It's just to blame the devil for everything. It might be time to level up. It might be time specifically to level up your health. Now, why am I talking about health in church? Pastor, why are you talking about health? Our battle is against not flesh and blood, but the principalities in a realm that we can't see. Yes, but you are more effective in the supernatural when you simply take care of yourself in the natural. Following Jesus is hard enough. Living out your calling in this world in 2021 is spiritually hard enough, and you're going to find yourself under more attack, facing more unnecessary resistance spiritually, just because your mind and your body doesn't feel good physically. I want to draw your attention to the word in the Old Testament, a Hebrew word, nefesh. Okay, this is how Jesus understood your soul. Nefesh, your soul, all of you, spiritual and physical. So if, you, if you're asking, wait, 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 so is that my, my body, my spirit, or my mind? Yes, yes, <laughs> now you're getting it. It's everything that makes you you. Nefesh 
It's all connected. Your mind, your body, your spirit work together and affect each other. To Jesus, your body is part of who you are, not a prison in which you are stuck. So maybe it's time to level up and own that. Maybe for you, that's going on a 20-minute walk every evening without your phone. Maybe leveling up your health looks like actually now changing your diet Because for better or for worse, what you eat affects your emotions and 85% of your serotonin, the chemical that makes you feel good and awake and alive comes from your gut. In the spirit of full transparency, this is one of mine because of years, I mean over a decade of really messing up my gut from chronic pain medication and a horrible diet, I'm realizing, man, I don't need my calling to be harder than it already is by having my body feel just tired and sick and exhausted all the time. I'm taking ownership of it because the more you level up, the less you limit what God wants to do in your life. Maybe for you, it's cutting down on or cutting out caffeine because it makes you anxious or you're straight up addicted. Oh my gosh, I'm preaching to me, but let's pretend I'm talking to you right now. (laughs) Maybe you just need to get outside more. Five minutes in the sun every day makes you happier. Fresh air makes you healthier. It's that vitamin D magic. God designed it this way. Yes, take it from a guy who has had anxiety for about nine years now. Your anxiety, your depression is absolutely spiritual, chemical, 100%. But just listen to me. It's also just practical, What I mean by that is the mornings I wake up before my kids and get to the gym and exercise, I'm less anxious. I can chart it. I am less anxious, which means on those days where I exercise, I experience more of God in my life. I'm ready for more opportunities that he brings my way. It's just, it's practical. It might be time to level up by starting that gym membership again and start training again. I used to hate it when people called going to the gym training. I used to hate that. Like, bro, you want to hang out today? Oh, no, I'm training. Oh, are you, are you running a marathon? No. Are you in the Olympics? Are you in the NFL? No. Oh, okay. Well, then don't call your bicep curls training. You're not training, dude. You're bench pressing. It's useful for nothing unless you're laying on the ground on your back and a fridge falls on you and you need to like push it off. That's the only, that's all I can think of. Stop calling it training. But I changed my mind about that a few months ago. I really did because I realized, you know what? I actually am. I think I am training to be a a healthy and energetic dad who can come home and take his kids to the park after a long day at work. I'm training to be a pastor who can give his best week in and week out without burning out one day. I'm training to be a follower of Jesus who is ready and awake and alert for whatever God wants to do in my life and through my life. Church, your, your body is a temple for the spirit of the living God. Your body is the vessel. Your your soul shows up to the world to live as a Christian who's not just saved but called. And there's a difference between those two things. It might be time to level up your health because the more you level up, the less you limit God. Amen? Let's keep going because we do have six of these. Level up your rhythm. Full disclosure, this is me, big time. Level up your rhythm. Life is all about rhythm. You can handle any season and any schedule if you have the right rhythm. Ask any professional juggler. Ask Will Ferrell's character, D'Angelo Vickers from The Office. 
Juggling seven pins is just as doable as six if you know the pattern. You need to define your season so you can determine your rhythm. How many know having two kids requires a different rhythm than having one, and oftentimes the rhythm that got you here won't be the rhythm that gets you there. You know what I love? I love that Jesus is just the rhythm master. God wants to be the rhythm section of your life. He's, he's not here to unbusy your life. The news is way better. He's here to unhurry your soul by offering you something called a yoke, which Jesus describes in Matthew chapter 11, 29 and 30. I just feel, I feel like I'm at the spa every time I read this. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Somebody say, ah. So a yoke is a work instrument, a common tool back in Jesus' day, a wooden cross piece that got fastened over the necks of two oxen pulling one plow. It allowed them to walk in step and work in sync, just like the boy band. Just think Lance Bash, Justin Timberlake. Theology's easy, right? You got it. The yoke in sync, okay? So when Jesus offers a yoke, if you're anything like me, you go, whoa, whoa, okay, Jesus. The last thing already exhausted Christians need is a tool. Like, I don't need an, like a tool. I need a strong drink. I don't need you to give me more stuff to do. I need a day at the spa. I need a vacation, right? But Jesus is not interested in being another thing on your to-do list. Jesus is not a supplement. Jesus is a savior, which is why he comes not, not, with, not with an escape, but with equipment, a yoke to learn the unforced rhythms of grace, to sync your pace with his, walk with him, work with him, watch how he does it. I believe where you will find yourself accomplishing more with less energy and more time left over. It's just in order to do that, a lot of us, and probably 99.9% of us, need to probably start saying no to some more stuff. I'm just going to challenge you right now, because if you don't say no to good things, those good things will start to take the place in your schedule of great things and great people why? Because what's urgent just tends to be louder than what's important. Which means if you want to level up your rhythm, then you need to decide what is important to you. You need to define your priorities because if you don't, other people will for you and what's urgent for them will begin to crowd out what's important to you. And so permission to say no, permission to be human in a world that is demanding machines, Permission to be, like, can we just let each other off the hook? Even, like, give your, your friends permission to say no to you. Permission to be healthy in a world, in a country full of wildly busy and unhealthy people. In a world that is demanding energizer bunnies. Permission to say no. Permission just to, to maybe go to bed earlier. <laughs> like, get more sleep because it's spiritual. Sometimes you, you need to come to the church where the pastor will tell you, get more sleep. Because it's spiritual. We can't always be super theological in the church. Oh, the statue of Nebuchadnezzar was erected at 97 cubits in height. So like, okay, great. How about this? Sleep more, guys. For real. Sleep. Like, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm preaching this hoping I'm going to like finally hear it and do it. Okay? So if I get wound up, that's why. Um, and I'm not saying don't watch your episodes. 
Because I think, man, there's something spiritual to that as well. I like My wife and I love that portion of our night when the kids go down at 7.30. How many know 7.30 is one of the best times of the day? I, all I'm saying is, Connor just say amen that. All I'm saying is, like maybe watch one less, just one less episode, okay? Because it might not be spiritual warfare. You might just be exhausted. Like, was it the devil? Is it the devil? Or is this more accurate? I got a bad start to my day because of the night before. I stressed out all day long. I don't pray about anything. I just worry about everything and I call it prayer. I don't eat vitamins or veggies. I eat for convenience because my life is chaotic and I say yes to everything because I don't want to miss out on anything. I drink caffeine after four, eat sugar after eight. I stay up late watching one more episode. Then I get in bed with my phone and scroll on Instagram so my mind is restless and my body is tossing and turning all night long. And that's why the devil made me sleep through my alarm and I'm too tired to follow Jesus. It's spiritual warfare. Is it? But really, but is it? Or does your rhythm suck. (laughs) I'm putting away childish patterns. I'm leveling up my rhythm because life's too short. My calling is too critical. Look, God has given you dominion over creation. This goes all the way back to Genesis 1, the very beginning in the garden. It's that Hebrew word, radah. It's the language of royalty, that you are reigning and ruling with God. He has given you dominion over creation. You wanna know what creation consists of? Time. Do you have dominion over it? Or does time have dominion over you? See, I have more street cred now because I have two kids under two and a church under three, so I can say this. I think you have time. I just don't think you have dominion over it. In which case, it might be time to level up your rhythm. Amen? All right, number four. Level up your integrity. And I promise you, if God has a favorite of these six, it's this one. I promise Craig Rochelle said, reputation is who others think you are. Integrity is who you really are. In a world obsessed with the projected image that everybody sees, God looks at the substance. So talent might take you far, but only character will keep you there, which means if your character isn't strengthening, your future is weakening. Just a friendly reminder to never let your influence outgrow your integrity. Because Proverbs 10.9 says this, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. So let me give you the very first step to leveling up your integrity. It's simple, it's, it's confession. I, I've been preaching that a lot recently and I feel like every time I say it, it's a Christian cuss word, so a lot of you just heard beep. <laughs> like, oh yeah, well I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> And and that means that it needs to be redeemed for you because James said, confess your stuff and you will be healed. Like you will be healed. In other words, it's not for God. It's actually for you, for your wholeness, for your freedom. You can have secrets or you can have freedom. You can't have both. You guys, forgiveness is about letting them off the hook, but confession lets you off the hook. Confession lets you off the hook. So tell somebody your stuff. 
Everybody doesn't need to know, but somebody does. Do you have people who know your stuff? We're all imperfect people pursuing a perfect God, you guys. Unless anybody had communion for breakfast and floated into church today. (laughs) I didn't think so. We're all in this together. So bring your stuff to the light where it loses its power because isolation is Satan's playground. That's where he's having a field day with you right now because you see confession as a cuss word that I'm not doing that. Hey, integrity doesn't require you to always be right. It just requires you to always be real. That's it. You're not, here's what I dream of seeing. A generation of Christians committed to shrinking the gap between who we are publicly and who we are privately because we got a generation of kids growing up behind us. I see it in my two-year-old already. Maybe they can admire your image. Can they model your substance? I, I really think this is prophetic. I don't say that a lot. I think the Holy Spirit is searching the world right now, not for influence, but integrity. God is looking for hearts he can trust. Can he trust yours? Because nothing will lift the lid on what he wants to do in you and through you, like leveling up your integrity, amen? Okay, level up your vert, your vert. I'm gonna explain it, don't worry. I worked so hard on my vert in high school because one of my greatest dreams as a five foot 10 white guy was to dunk a basketball. So squats and calf raises every single day. Clearly it did so much. Shut up. And while that dream of dunking a basketball was never realized, I did dunk a golf ball once. It was a pro V1, Taylor, because I'm fancy. And while the days of leveling up my physical vert are long gone, the days of leveling up my spiritual vert, see what I did there, are just getting started. Now you might be asking, well, what is a spiritual vert? I'm so glad you asked. It's a phrase I just coined four days ago. This is your spiritual vert. It is the ease with which you fix your eyes on things above. This cultivated ease, by the way, that your heart worships, and your heart looks vertically. Your heart, your responsibility. Because this comes naturally to nobody. So that's not, I'm, I'm removing that excuse from your life. Oh, I'm just not prone to that, okay? Nobody else is either. Paul in the New Testament, David in the Old Testament constantly said stuff like, I am inclining my heart in a vertical direction. I'm setting my heart on things above. You remember that rotisserie chicken infomercial? The tagline, set it and forget it. I've read that that's the most effective infomercial tagline in the history of infomercials, and I wish it applied to your heart, but it doesn't. I wish you could set it and forget it. But I heard a pastor say, more like set it, and then reset it, and then, and then check it, and then probably uh, set it again, and then recheck it, and reset it, and then, and then set it some more, and that's all just like the same day. It's like David is saying, hey, you think I wake up this way? You think Paul woke up that way? You think I roll out of bed, and I'm just in Shekinah glory worship already, and I, I look around, and I see a million angels falling face down on the floor singing, holy is the Lord, like I'm just in the throne room five minutes after I get out of bed? No, I'm human, just like you. I am daily deciding to set my heart in a divine direction. It only happens on purpose, you guys. I am working on my spiritual vert, because all of our lives are lived out horizontally, are they not? The horizontal playing field from 
from your, your job to your dreams to your relationship, your day-to-day to all the way to grocery shopping, right? But salvation is received from heaven. Salvation is received vertically. The amazing grace, the mercies that are new every single morning are received vertically. This, this peace that transcends understanding, you don't find it here, you receive it from above. The joy that survives even the worst of seasons and circumstances is received vertically. The power to walk in abundant life, even, even through trials, is received from above. You can't get it from the world. You got to get it from God. And that's great news because that means I've got a power and a peace and a joy and a love and a grace the world didn't give me. And if the world didn't give it to me, then no circumstance or pandemic can take it away from me. This is why we worship. We look vertically. I fight my battles horizontally because I lift my hands to heaven. Amen. I'm working on my spiritual vert. Are you cultivating that? A soul that worships easily every single day. I am leveling this up. And then last but not least, level up your expectations or expectancy or the word the Bible uses, which is faith. God loves it, by the way. Hebrews 11 says, without it, it's actually impossible to please him. Jesus said, if you believe, you will see the glories of God. So that means salvation is completely free, completely free. But if you wanna live a good story, if you wanna experience just miracles and moments of God doing more than you ever thought possible, where you see time after time of God showing up and showing off and flexing his muscles, then according to Jesus, you need to believe it before you see it. You need to start leveling up your expectations. But here's the cool thing before you think that is so intimidating. Our faith, you guys, is not in our faith. Our faith is in him. So Jesus is is saying level up your expectancy, but that doesn't look like just mustering more faith. Like I've tried it, doesn't work. Gives you a headache and makes you look constipated. Don't try to muster more faith. He's saying, if you can just take the little bit of belief that you have and attach it to me. He says, just believe in the one who believes. I'm the one who believes. Take whatever mustard seed of faith that you have and attach it to me. Then my belief will carry you and you will begin to see in your life me doing more than you ever had the faith that I could do in the first place. So level up your expectations. You need to fight the temptation called cynicism. You need to fight the temptation to get your hopes down about the future of the church. You need to start championing and seeing the best, believing the best in the next generation. I've told you guys this before. I believe with all my heart that being old is not an age thing. It's a spirit thing. And the reason you're drawn to Red Rocks Church or just the kingdom of heaven is because you have a youthful spirit. But I'll tell you, it's the day that you start blaming the younger generations for the world's problems. That's the day you're old. But we don't have any old people at Red Rocks Church because we believe in the future. We believe in the next generation. We believe in the new thing that God wants to do. We are setting our focus forward, believing, yes, the best is yet to come. Fight to level up your faith and expectations, amen?
thoughts, your health, your rhythm, integrity, vert, expectations. Not sure if you noticed, but it's actually an acronym for Thrive. And uh, nobody cares about this stuff as much as preachers do, but I worked hard on that. Thank you, guys. Because I I just really believe, I really, really do, it is possible. In fact, it's God's will that you thrive and not just survive in life, regardless of your external circumstances, regardless of the season that you're in. All it takes is just extreme ownership. I'm setting my, my focus on the person that I know God made me to be. There's a person you already are in Jesus Christ, and now you're simply just learning to live like it's actually true, like you actually believe that by by leveling up every single day. God, I don't want to be the limiting factor on the more that you want to do in my life. I just don't. So I will consistently and on purpose level up my life to be ready as a follower of Jesus who does not just live saved, but lives called. Amen. Will you guys stand up? There's a, uh, there's a conversation starter question. It was also, I think I saw, it was a test on BuzzFeed about what, what decade should you have been born in? What era do you really belong in? And I used to hate, like, I still kind of do. I make fun of that question all the time when people say, yeah, I'm just, I should have been born in the 1920s. I just, that's where my heart is. Like you watch Downton Abbey and, and you're like, that's, I, sh- I would thrive. Oh, you mean when the life expectancy was 38 years and there was no medicine or iPhones? Yeah, you would thrive. And so I, I was just made fun of that, but okay, about a month ago, the Friends reunion came out. Who watched it? So good. My wife and I watched it and then the very next night we were driving to um, a Red Rocks event and in the car, I was just, I was very, very just down and depressed and bumming out. And I, I told my wife, I said, Sam, for the first time in my life, I actually wish that we were born in a different time. I said, I wish that we were raising kids and planting a church in the 90s when friends came out. And I know every decade's got its stuff, okay? I know that. But I said, man, back when... Like people trusted the church and people trusted the government and everybody wasn't trying to be famous and be known on social media just all the time. How much influence can I get? Comparison everywhere. It's just, oh. I said, I wish, I wish it was the 90s. (laughs) And I think I just needed to say it and get it out and then I kid you not, the very next day I'm reading Acts chapter 17. And there's a verse that that says, God has ordained the time and place that he wanted you to be alive on this planet and exactly where he wants you to be. So do you understand that right now you live in Denver or Austin or Brussels or wherever else you are? It's because God has preordained for you to be here. And you're a Christian in 2021 because God, before the foundations of the earth were even around, decided it to be that way. Like how how much purpose 
Like if you're, if you're a bored Christian, it's because you don't understand that concept. This is crazy and ridiculous, guys. It is no accident that you're here right now. No coincidence you're watching this. God did not accidentally make you and Jesus did not accidentally die for you. So live this life like it's on purpose. What an honor and a privilege it is to get to be Christians, followers of Jesus and leaders of the church in such a defining era for our country where we get to decide and lead the way be makers of the future for our children's children and the church that they're gonna grow up in. My goodness, and I'm not saying that means it's all gonna get easier. You understand, Christians are being, are being marginalized and forced to the edges in our country right now. All I'm saying is historically, let me remind you, that's when the church is at her best because that's when Christians wake up and start leveling up because I believe the more we level up individually and take ownership individually, the more the church of Jesus Christ becomes a force to be reckoned with corporately, amen? Would you lift your hands? Jesus, we love you. We lift our hands vertically to you right now. We incline our eyes, our minds, and our hearts and our postures to heaven. This is how we fight our battles horizontally. This is how we level up our lives to not limit you because we gotta get it from you. So we sing to you right now, Jesus, as we do, would you embolden us? Give us courage, give us fresh creativity and ideas. Give us passion to be Christians, to live called, to build your church. Thank you for the privilege of getting to be followers of Jesus in 2021. Holy Spirit, wake us up. Speak to every single one of us individually on how you want us to level up our lives because you want to do so much more in us and through us individually and corporately. And right now we just collectively say, yes, that's what we want. We own it so you can change it. We love you. We pray this in the beautiful, powerful, wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen and lift up a shout of praise to Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Red Rocks Church at every location. Let's worship.